It is Election Day Eve, Monday, November 7th, 2022. I'm Kevin Williams. This is the Canning Plus 7 podcast. One of the things that we want to talk about on this podcast, and I just haven't done it yet, is politics. And so there's going to be two firsts on this podcast. One first is the first time I had ever done something in my entire life. But both firsts are the first time I've done a podcast alone on this particular feed. And this will be the first time that I will ever endorse a candidate in my entire life. Now, will I ever endorse a candidate after this? Maybe, if I like him or her enough, sure. Let me give you the background story. Let me give you the background story, though, before we go into who it is that I am endorsing. And I think as this conversation goes on, you'll figure it out. About two and a half weeks ago, the Kevin Miller sh- uh, on the Kevin Miller Show, you can listen to Kevin Miller on 580-KIDO in Boise. And there's also a website, KIDO.net. You can also download the KIDO app on your phone and listen to it that way. Now, Kevin Miller comes on the radio on 580 AM KIDO from 6 AM to 10 o'clock AM, Monday through Friday. Now, the first hour from 5 to 6 is a pre-recorded show from the previous day or perhaps the previous week, depending on what day that first hour airs. And I think it's the last hour of the show that's recorded for the five, uh, and then they replay it again at 5 a.m. But it's live from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. Monday through Friday. Well, about two and a half weeks ago, Kevin Miller was discussing the fact that politicians are not buying ads this year. Well, it's been a while since I've heard a political ad on the radio. Quite honestly... I haven't heard a political ad on the radio in about 22 years. Now, it's possible I've heard one and just glossed over it, but I haven't heard an ad that I recall in 22 years. I think the reason why politicians are not putting ads on the radio is because it's unnecessary. We have the Internet. We have social media. We have YouTube and alternatives for YouTube, like... Rumble, BitChute, Brighteon, just to name a few. And there's probably others out there that I don't know about. But those are the ones that I can think of. There's also people streaming their content on platforms like One America, DLive. So there's a lot of options now, and I don't think it's necessary for politicians to do ads on the radio. I called up the Kevin Miller show to voice my opinion about it, and he took great offense to it. I think because, well, in fact, I know it's because political ads are a lot like Christmas to radio stations and TV stations, for that matter. My point is this. Some politicians out there are very innovative with their get-the-word-out campaign, for lack of a better term. For example, Ammon Bundy has town hall meetings, or he used to have them every month. He's kind of 
dwindled that now. It doesn't seem to be as consistent. And I think it's just because he's gotten busy. And I told this to Kevin Miller, too. You listen to one of Ammon's virtual town hall meetings, it's like listening to a talk show for Idaho, exposing Brad Little in, down in Idaho with his shenanigans. Brad Little's lies. Oh, I never locked down the state of Idaho. Oh, yes, he did. And Ammon proved that in one of his town hall meetings. In fact, that might have been the last town hall meeting he had. I'm not sure, but it might have been. What I would advise you to do if you hear this before the election is go to votebundy.com. That's votebundy.com, and you will hear, and you can click on the link, I think the town hall meetings, and you can see for yourself exactly what I am talking about. You'll see exactly, if you click on one of the town hall meetings, what Brad Little did and how much money Idaho took in. You'll also find out that Ammon's been posting YouTube videos. In fact, I'm surprised YouTube hasn't kicked him off. He had a tuxedo dinner, which if you know anything about Ammon, that surprises me. I can't see a cowboy going to a tuxedo dinner. But he did. I, I know he called it something else, but I can't remember. But it was basically where you had to dress up in a tuxedo and go to dinner, and then they had a dance afterwards. The idea, the way he marketed it, is you could bring your, you could bring your wife and go to this tuxedo dinner. And I, I can't remember the name of the actual dinner, but it had a name to it. But I'm just going to call it a tuxedo dinner. I can't see Ammon doing something like that, being a cowboy and all, but he did. I guess the turnout was pretty well. Most politicians, though, would have these massive fundraisers that you'd have to pay, I don't know, two or three grand to go to, or maybe more, a little less. And they'd have a dinner and a speech. So I have to hand it to Ammon for being innovative. He's also been very innovative about... Other fundraisers, for example, I believe it was earlier this year. Yeah, it was. He had a Colin Ray concert. You could buy tickets to the Colin Ray concert, and that would be his fundraiser. So I have to hand it to Ammon for being innovative. And this is what I tried to call to tell Kevin, and eventually Kevin Miller hung up on me and said, "No, oh, I, I, Kevin, I love you, but you bought up Ammon's name 28 times now, which is not true. But that's, that's what happened. And I understand, I didn't read it, but I understand people out there in the blogosphere that were for Am and Bundy and those that were on certain Facebook group pages said, oh, Kevin Miller hung up on another Am and Bundy supporter. I got emails about it. It was crazy. But as you can tell, I am officially endorsing Ammon Bundy for governor in Idaho. And it's not because Kevin Miller hung up on me. It's not because Ammon Bundy's running for governor and he's different. None of that. But I will give you the reasons why I am endorsing Ammon Bundy. Ammon is a constitutionalist. He wants to keep Idaho, Idaho. Which, by the way, is another term that Brad Little stole from Ammon, which tells me Ammon's shaking things up down there in Idaho. He's a real strict constitutionalist and wants to keep Idaho, the conservative state of Idaho, that it has traditionally been. 
And it's true. When I lived in Idaho back in the mid-90s, it was pretty conservative. Early to mid-90s. Well, I actually, I should say early to late 90s. Idaho is pretty conservative. Now you've got the liberals moving in and destroying it, especially in the Boise area and Sun Valley. I understand even northern Idaho is getting more liberal. So Ammon wants to keep Idaho with its traditional values. Now, I don't agree with everything that Ammon says. I also have some questions. For example... And you can actually go to LDS Life Podcast. It's an, an Apple podcast and other places where you can get podcasts. You can go to LDS Life Podcast. I actually interviewed Ammon for a lengthy amount of time with uh, about his gubernatorial race. This is back in, I believe it was November of, no, I believe it was January, February, somewhere back there in 2022. I'd have to go back and look. But if you go to LDS Life Podcast, you'll see it there. It's one of the first things that'll pop up. I, th I think it says Ammon Bundy, Gubernatorial, Ammon Bundy for Governor, I think is the title. Go back and listen to it. I think it might have been in November of last year, now that I think about it. One of the things Ammon wants to do is to get rid of the state income tax, which is good. But he also wants to get rid of the property tax, which I have questions about. Because lots of people are renting these days. A lot of people. They're either renting houses, they're renting apartments, they're renting condos. Or at least they're living in condos. Now, you might be able to sell your condo and pay a tax on that, sure. But what about the people who live in apartments or live in or are renting houses? Ammon would have to tax the corporations who own the apartments, I would think. And I didn't ask him this in the podcast, but I, I, I would think he would have to tax the corporations when they sell their apartments. So you could do this one of two ways. You could pay the sales tax when you sell your home or you could pay the sales tax in your mortgage. Either way, you're going to have to pay it. I'm just worried about the several people out there that don't have homes and would Idaho be able to generate enough revenue to keep the state going. Now, I understand Ammon wants to cut some programs. He wants to get rid of welfare as we know it in the state of Idaho and wants to put it back to the churches. And charity organizations, that's going to take some time for people to get used to. The problem is we've been fixated on this idea for so long that you know, we can have the government help us out, that if we get rid of it, it's going to take the churches and charity organizations an awful lot to step up to the plate and help people out again. We haven't done this for generations. Yes, I know that there's churches that help people to this day but probably not to the extent of back in the 20s, early 1900s, late 1800s. So I'm not sure how this would all pan out. Time will tell. That's the one thing that I worry about with Ammon, is if he actually goes through with any of this, and I say goes through because I know he'll try to get it through, but he may get some roadblocks through the legislature, but if it actually happens... 
I'm a little concerned about the outcome for the short term. In the long term, I think it could work as it takes generations of people to get used to a new way of thinking. But in the first 25, 30 years, I have my concerns. I think what Ammon should do if he gets to be the governor is make it a transition period. But at the same time, I also understand why he's doing it. He wants to put the charity, he wants to put help back into the charities and churches. I get it. But, though, but as much as I have concerns about that, I also know that Ammon is a person, what you see is what you get. There's no hiding behind the glass door. There's no hiding behind anything. Ammon is very sincere. I want to resolve some concerns for you, though, in this podcast, if I can. Because a lot of people that I've talked to, particularly family members, would say, oh, I don't like Ammon's tactics. Well, let's talk about his tactics. I haven't always agreed with his tactics either. And by the way, let me just say that when you elect a governor or any candidate and you like them a lot, you're always going to disagree with them on something. At least I have. We have this tendency as humans to say, oh, I voted for this candidate. I really like him or her. And then we're dismayed when they do something we don't like. I think it's human nature to believe that we're going to agree with them on everything. It just isn't reality. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't vote a candidate out of office because they did things that you disagree with. You just know that something will come up and they do something that you disagree with. And by the way, to drive this home even further, have you ever had a disagreement with your spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend? I think you have. So I think you get the point. But back to Ammon's tactics. I haven't always agreed with his tactics either. For example, I'm not sure that occupying the federal building outside of Burns, Oregon was a wise idea. Why? Well, because there were several informants that came. There were several people that were trying to put others that were occupy that were sincerely occupying the building in a trap to try to get them to do things that they ordinarily ordinarily wouldn't do, as we've read about in history, how these informants work. And sometimes you may not even know who the real informants are and your your friends some of the time. That's why I was not in favor of it at the time. But also, let's look at the bigger picture here, folks. Even though I still think that there are better ways he could have resolved that, let's look at the bigger picture. Ammon got us, made us aware, once again, of how bad ranchers have been treated in the western United States. Probably even back in Minnesota and the Midwest, too. But since a lot of ranchers live in the in the western U.S., let's just focus on the western U.S. He made it clear that the government, the Bureau of Land Management specifically, was doing some unnecessary things to the Hammonds. And I would actually encourage you to go back to the LDS Live podcast. It was in December of 2019 that I interviewed Ammon Bundy for the first time. 
And the title of that one is just called Ammon Bundy. Go back and listen to that. It's a long interview, but I think we covered a lot of ground. And you will see why he did what he did. I would have done something differently. But again, folks, we have to look at the bigger picture. We can't just go saying, oh, I don't like this guy's tactics. What happened? Ammon got out of jail, out of prison. And what happened? Eventually, the Hammonds were pardoned. And I was very glad. I was in Little Rock, Arkansas when that happened, and I got a text from somebody saying that the Hammonds are pardoned. You know what I thought? My first thought was, today is a great day to be an American. So that we have to look at the bigger picture. The other tactic that people bring up, oh, Ammon, look, Ammon acts like a child because of how he acted in the state capitol building in 2020. All right, let's talk about that. Because I think that that is a legitimate complaint for a lot of people who do not know the backstory. And I'll admit, when I watched this video, I was not happy about it. And I thought Ammon was being an idiot until I looked at the backstory. Once I looked at the backstory, it made more sense. This is what you have to do, folks. You can't count on the media for everything. Even some of the alternative media out there, you cannot always count on. You have to do your own diligent research, in which I have done a lot of research on the Bundy family. Let's go over that incident at the Capitol building. When Ammon got into the Capitol building, I think, if I remember the story correctly, it was the Speaker of the House... Scott Depke, I believe, who said that there was not supposed to be any citizen journalists covering this hearing. So what did Ammon do? To refresh your memory, he went to the front of the meeting. He went to the front row, sat down. I believe it was a security guard. Somebody told him, I, I assume it was a security guard, told him to leave. And he didn't. And this is where I want to clear up a misconception, because there is this misconception that he tied himself to a chair. No, he did not. I will get into that. He did not tie himself to a chair. What happened, though, is the police came and moved him physically to another chair with wheels and handcuffed him. And from all accounts, that I, people that I have talked to he, that were there or that knew him personally, he was not tied up to a chair. That was something a Fox News reporter said, and everybody ran with it. But he was handcuffed and willed off. Now, some people say, well, Kevin, Ammon should have handled this dispute in court. Well, in principle, I'm in agreement with you. But let's go back to the trial in, Bern in uh, Portland, Oregon, and Nevada. Let's go back to those trials. Did you know that during the courtroom there was evidence that was not supposed to come up? There were words that were not supposed to be said. How do I know this? Because I heard an interview with Sheriff Richard Mack on the Sam Bushman podcast 
uh, Liberty Roundtable. If you Google, I'm sure if you Google Liberty Roundtable, Sam, uh, Ammon Bundy, or I'm sorry, Liberty Roundtable, Sheriff Richard Mack and Ammon Bundy, you'll find something there. And you'll find that particular interview where Sheriff Mack was not supposed to say certain words. And he had a very uncomfortable feeling at the trial. And the way that he made it sound, it sounds like the judge was grilling him very hard. And the judge wouldn't let evidence, certain crucial evidence come in. In fact, I'm surprised they even got off in Oregon, but they did. And when Ammon wasn't supposed to say certain things, and by the way, when he did get off, remember, folks, his lawyer, Mark Munford, asked if Ammon could be freed, and Mark Munford was tased. I just talked to somebody about this who was there. So back to your question, why didn't Ammon handle this in court? Well, if the courts didn't treat him well in Portland and in Nevada, the same thing happened in Nevada. The words weren't supposed to be spoken, certain words, certain evidence didn't come out. Well, if he was treated that badly in the courts, what makes you think that he would want to handle this dispute in the courts in Idaho? That's why he made such a stink over it. Let's go to another tactic that people bring up when I bring up Ammon Bundy. And I tell people I would vote for Ammon if I were there in the state of Idaho. Let's talk about his tactics in Caldwell, Idaho in 2020. It was the first weekend of October, for the first Friday of October, I believe. And there was a football game going on between the Caldwell Cougars and Emmett Huskies. Ammon went into the stadium and they told him that he would have to wear a mask. Ammon didn't. And the person at the gate told him, well, if you're not going to wear a mask, go across the street. Well, he didn't do that either. He went to the parking lot. Everything was good until, I believe, halftime. At halftime, he went and paid for his ticket. Why? Because he was attending the game, and I think he felt like it would be the right thing to do to pay for his ticket. That's when all hell broke loose. That's when security came and told him to move across the street. And Ammon put up a big uh, fuss about it and said, no, I'm not doing it. Why? Because, first of all, there was no one else around in the parking lot except for him, his wife, and his in-laws. Second of all, he was trying to prove a point that the politicians have really used this pandemic to control things. That's why he didn't move. And yes, eventually the game was stopped. In fact, the security asked him, I think it was the football coach came up to him and said, you're going to stop? Do you want?" I think security threatened to stop the game, and Ammon didn't give in. And so the coach came up and asked him, do you want to stop this game just because you're trying to prove a point? I'm paraphrasing. And Ammon said, yes. And Ammon reminded the coach that he's a history teacher. He knows how tyranny gets started. And he knows that when things like this happen, one thing leads to another. And that was Ammon's point. Now, the game did stop. 
And somebody made a 911 call, and the cops came and decided not to arrest him, which I am very glad they didn't because he wasn't doing anything wrong. He didn't, he wasn't harming anybody. He wasn't bothering anybody. It was just him and his wife with his in-laws at the parking lot. There was no reason to go across the street. Now, personally, I probably would have just worn a mask at least, uh, you know, in the one, and then took it off once I sat down or whatever. But Ammon's a fighter, and Ammon's had lots of experience with these kind of things. And I talked to Ammon about it later, and he said that he has made some headway, or he made some headway after that. I'm not sure what he meant, because I never asked him how so. But the football games continued in 2020. His son continued to play football. And Ammon went back on, back to living regular life. One, another concern that I get when I endorse, you know, when I tell, tell people, particularly family members, that I'm going to, or that I would, in, I would vote for Ammon Bundy if I was governor, is, oh, Ammon wanted to give a Black Lives Matter speech and he's for defunding the police. First of all, Ammon is not for defunding the police. I think he is for defunding a certain amount from the police if there's wasteful money being spent. And he's also about getting rid of the bad cops, but he is not for defunding the police. That's been a misconception. Let me tell you how this whole Black Lives Matter thing started. This whole Black Lives Matter with Ammon started because there was a Black Lives Matter rally in Boise at around the same time of the George Floyd incidents. This is later on in the summer of 2020. On f and uh, apparently there were people who were not being nice to the Black Lives Matter group and trying to heckle some of the people there and cause a ruckus when they were having a peaceful rally. So one of the Black Lives Matter folks in Boise got on the Facebook page and said, if Ammon's for peaceful protesting, why doesn't he come and support us or something like that? And Ammon responded that he would love to. And they had, he was actually going to speak to the Black Lives Matter group. And we'll get into my personal thoughts later on that. But he was going to speak to the Black Lives Matter group until the national leader got a hold of this information and put a stop to it. And so Ammon declined. And, or Ammon obviously didn't. And... He went on with regular life. I personally don't think it was wise for him to have spoken to the Black Lives Matter group anyway. I understand why he wanted to. It was because he was trying to find common ground. He was also trying to do missionary work for his cause. And his thought was that there were a lot of people who were African American, black, whatever you want to call them, who had the same values that he did. And so he wanted to work with them. 
at least those that were interested. I don't know that he, I don't think he would have worked with the whole entire group, but maybe those that were interested. The reason I don't think he should have done it, and I'm glad he didn't, is because he could have been easily being used, and it could have made him look very bad being a speaker, even if it was innocent. You know, some somebody in the group could have used him to do something he didn't believe in doing, or he could have said something and it would have been skewed. You know how that goes. And so I'm glad he didn't. But again, Ammon's heart is in the right place. That's what I have learned all along. And I have been following the Bundy family very religiously since 2014. I met Cliven at his, at a motel in Mesquite, Nevada. And after that, we went to his ranch for three hours. And I also had, oh no, I'm sorry. We I went to his ranch for five hours. I'm sorry. And we had a good time. He showed me what his ranch was like. He showed me what... You know, he showed me some of the plants that he, that are grown on his ranch. He took me where the standoff was on the bridge there, the Virgin River Bridge. And I went inside of his house and had lunch, and he took me up to the mountains where the cows graze. And then we went back down, and uh, Carol's sweet wife, or I'm sorry, Cliven's sweet wife, Carol, made both of us apple pie, and it was very, very good. Some of the best apple pie I have ever had, and I'm not joking when I say that either. Let me tell you my experience with Ammon. I met Ammon back in 2019 at a rally outside of the courthouse in Salt Lake City. And when I was there, Cliven introduced me to Ammon and... There were a whole bunch of people that I was introduced to by other people that were there. And I had an interesting experience with Ammon. He gave me an extremely firm handshake like he was trying to convey to me that he meant business. So I didn't do any small talk with Ammon. I got right down to business and told him that I want to have him on my podcast. And eventually, we found a good time for him to be on my podcast. This is the LDS Life Podcast. And when I thought we had a very good conversation. You can go back and listen to that again. It's in December of 2019, just before the, plan, just before the planned demic, if you want to call it that. And I thought we had a very good conversation. We got into a lot of information. I'd encourage all of you to go listen to that. Again, it's the LDS Life, it's LDS Life podcast. And look for the title Ammon Bundy from December of 2019. I think it was December 20th, 21st, something like that. So let's go over, let's summarize. Why am I endorsing Ammon? Well, what you see is what you get. You may not always agree with his tactics, but what you see is what you get. He's not a typical politician. He's a straight shooter. 
Ammon is also a family man and very God-fearing. And he is very true to his principles. Again, you may not always agree with his tactics, but I think this is one of those cases where you have to look at the bigger picture. I'm going to make a prediction. If Ammon does not win the gubernatorial race, which he may not, this is not going to be the last you've seen of Ammon. In fact, you could argue that this might be the very beginning. This gubernatorial race might be the very beginning of Ammon's political career. I think he's going to continue to fight for the rights of freedom. I think he's going to continue to fight for the rights of people. Remember, folks, he already has the People's Network. People's, uh, the People's Network. The People's Rights Network. Peoplesrights.org, if you want to go there. You can be a part of the network in your specific state. Each state has regions. And you can be a part of that network depending on the reason or the region that you're in. And what happens if you get in trouble? Let's say you're doing something completely innocent, but you get in trouble. For example, if you have a baby and they want to take it away from you and test it for COVID, and you don't want that baby to be tested for COVID, and you say so, and you get fined or whatever, you can activate the People's Rights Network, and they'll come to your defense. This actually happened in Washington. Somebody in Washington had a baby, and they wouldn't let the relatives or the siblings in, the family, because of COVID. And this woman activated the People's Rights Network and advocated for her, and then the hospital had no choice but to let the family in. And I'm sure that there was protocol and all that. So this does work. So my point is, I don't think you're going to see the last of Ammon if he does not win this race. I want you to go to VoteBundy.com. That's V-O-T-E-B-U-N-D-Y.com. Look at his platform and decide for yourself whether you're going to vote for him or not. And I know that this is a different podcast because usually I'm talking about prepping. But remember, the plus seven. One of the things in the plus seven is politics. By the way, if you want to get a hold of me on Facebook, feel free to do so. Go to Canning Plus 7. That's C-A-N-N-I-N-G-P-L-U-S, the number 7. Send an instant message, or you can leave a comment on one of the threads that I've started over there. I will also be getting the email. I think the email is back up and running. I want to make sure, but I think you might be able to email me again. I'm Kevin Williams, and I will talk to you later, folks.